to NURFM 103.7. It's time to talk travel. Sally Lucas joining me, Jane Klein, and uh, it's always good to see where Lonely Planet is recommending its people go. Absolutely, Jane. A lot of people do refer to Lonely Planet for advice when they're travelling, and it's nice that they come out with these awards every year of just indicating to us where are the top places to visit, as has been reported to them. And, of course, Paris is no surprise, as it is coming again as one of, or or as it often does, one of the top cities, and it is the top city again this year. But we managed to squeeze in Adelaide this year into number nine, which was really good, wasn't it? Instead of, you know, the Sydneys and and the Melbournes, I think it's nice to have Adelaide in there because it's a different sort of city. It's a, a smaller, compact, you know, quaint city with lovely markets and, you know, the wineries all around it and, you know. And cafes too. They've and got cafe, a good cafe culture. Lovely, yes, mm. lovely cafe culture. And then as far as regions go, the wonderful Kimberley got in at number two and, I mean, that is no surprise whatsoever. I feel it should be number one, but anyhow. We still snuck it in there at number two, so that's great to see as well. So, yeah, there you go. There's lots of interesting things if you want to have a look at the Lonely Planet website and just see what top countries, etc. came in. And no surprise, Brazil came in as the top country with obviously the World Soccer Cup coming up there as well. However, I thought we'd move on to other things Australian today, Jane, and talk about two of, I think, I don't know, our most beautiful islands, two of our most beautiful, should I say. I won't say the most because I love a lot of our islands, but there's Lord Howe, which is directly due east of Port Macquarie, and of course Norfolk, which is approximately due east of of Brisbane, to give you a a rough idea of where they're located. Now, of course, Norfolk is probably more famous for its fascinating history of early settlement by, you know, the East Polynesians and so on, and of course Captain James Cook when he first sighted the island in 1774. And of course, they're still nearly all relatives of that era that all still live with a few exceptions of course on Norfolk Island and it's a it's a very you know mountainous island it's a, it's a very pretty island lovely island to visit um, one of those islands where you really need a car I feel to get around um, you can of course for the elderly there are tours available if you're not able to have a car but if you're a driver it's a much nicer thing to be able to go and potter in the countryside around around Norfolk um, and of course Lord Howe which is the other island we mentioned is a lot smaller a much smaller island and the car no, it's bikes and feet only there. They don't have higher cars. They do have cars to transport you, obviously, and run coach tools, little small coach tools, not large coaches, of course, just mini coaches and cars. Um, but Lord Howe, again, is so unique because it was just blown apart by a volcano and it's just been left with this half an island, if you like. And what would have been the caldera now is this wonderful thriving, you know, life of marine world, which is just, I think it's about 500 species of different fish. And it's the southernmost reef, that's, which is unusual because the warm waters go down that far away beyond the barrier reef, of course, which is much further north. So with, with Norfolk, you're going there, I guess, more for the history. You've got your convict settlements, all interesting things you can do there. They've got night tours. You can do progressive dinners. Um, there's shows. They have the jazz festival there every year. But then again, also there's one at um, Lord Howe they do in the winter months they have a jazz festival in that July August period so they both offer something rather different but they're both I think some of the most or two of the most stunning islands you would want to visit um, and Lord Howe mainly is I guess walkers love Lord Howe because you've got the opportunity to climb those wonderful mountains of Lidgebird or Gower which are no mean feat I can say and it's only weather permitting too because they do get shrouded with cloud quite a lot and there's chains involved etc so you know it's not a walk in the park type walk. 
However, there are many other lovely walks available uh, around beaches, a little hill called Transit Hill. So there's lots and lots you can do. And of course, so many activities, as I said, for anyone who wants to get out on a bike, go charter fishing, feed the fish, which is fantastic. They all come up and swim around your legs at Ned's Beach. Uh, lots of wonderful things you can do on, on Lord Howe. Very quiet island, not at all commercial. You know, you've only got one or two little shops and, you know, just a few little restaurants. But it's just a delightful island. Norfolk, on the other hand, of course, you've got a myriad of restaurants and they call themselves a food paddock over there. They grow a lot of organic foods. So you've got a lot more choice. It's a much bigger island, a lot more accommodation from self-contained to hotel style, etc. There are no hotels on as such on Lord Howe. There are a couple of lovely lodges, some very special, unique lodges, and also, again, your self-contained accommodation. So they both offer something, depending on what you would love to do, but both beautiful islands, which you should consider if you've not done either of them at least do one on your bucket list to nurfm it is talking travel for our sponsor travel world on king and sally lucas uh, there's been some cruise awards which uh, sound rather good for our region it does sound good for our region and i think it's well deserved actually jane it's actually been P&O cruises who've won the award and considering they've been cruising out here now for nearly 80 years that's a considerable time so I guess you think they should know our area quite well shouldn't you um, and this has been um, they've been recognised by the readers of a prestigious American cruise magazine called Porthole now they actually uh, gain the information by a combination of online votes and ballots and so on to decide you know who which cruise company is going to operate the best itineraries and that's what they've won it for actually winning the award for the best Australian New Zealand itineraries in our area. So that's good to know. So if you're thinking of really, I guess, you know, wanting to do a cruise in our area, look at your P&O itineraries and compare them to other companies, of course, which is always a good thing to do. So you come up with your best option for what you want. But certainly that's a nice thing that they have won for this area, which is great to see. Now, have you ever lost a bag when you're traveling? Yes, I mean, it has been returned, but, you know, I had one, didn't make it to Madrid when I went to Spain and was still stuck in Charles de Gaulle. Um, recently, when I went to Africa, they offloaded it and thought I was going to Nairobi that day, not the next day, so I didn't have it again. It happened once on a flight from London to Singapore and someone else had picked up the wrong bag, but it was eventually located. But yes, so Jane, over my years of travel, I've, they've always been returned though, I must say. I've never had one completely lost, but I have had clients who have, I must say, where the bag has just completely disappeared. And apparently 26 million bags go missing every year. That is astounding figure. 26 million? Million. Mm. It is astounding. And this has come from a guy who uh, is the uh, president and founder of a company called Vanguard ID Systems. And, of course, they make all those things we've heard about before, like those readers, you know, for passports and all that sort of security stuff. So what they've done, they've been working for 10 years now um, on producing a new, um, what they call it, a view tag. And it's a tag that will go on your luggage, right? It's a, it's a battery-free permanent luggage tag. And they're working in conjunction with IATA the International Transport Association to solve this problem and they've been working on it for quite some time but apparently they're going to be demonstrating um, this changeable permanent tag at a world symposium in Dublin and um, to see if it can be approved and if everyone approves it and thinks yep it's the way to go um, and they just said it took them 10 years to develop because they had to wait for technology to catch up 
So it's interesting, isn't it? So this will be a, a better thing for both the traveller, the airline, who want a better solution, and be interesting to get more information on this. I and mean, this is just a little tidbit we've got so far, but wow, if that can you know help that problem, that'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? Certainly would. So that's something that's on the cards for us. Um, next we've got coming up is Shackleton's epic Antarctic expedition, 100 years. 100 years. That's 100 so years. years. All sorts of interesting stories have been coming out recently, haven't they, in books and how he treated the men and what he did to survive and quite an interesting um, lot of uh, notes keep coming out about it. It's interesting reading, I must say. However, um, he did endure the world's most extreme conditions on the world's most extreme continent and uh, Ben Tours is offering travellers the chance to voyage where he journeyed with a special um, expert-led um calling it the Spirit of Shackleton Cruise. And they're doing two, actually, one in January next year and one in January 2015. Um, they're both 21-day ex- ex- expeditions, get my words right here, get my tongue around it, departing from Ushuaia, which is, of course, is right down that bottom tip of South America and Argentina, and that's on a, an expedition vessel, and it will actually retrace the route of that legendary British explorer. So you'll be going, of course, into wonderful, pristine, ice-filled bays, of course, full of glaciers and towering ice cap mountains and giant icebergs. I mean, it is a a mystical, really, I don't know, I always find it just an awe-inspiring part of the world. So if you're really interested in what happened with Shackleton and you've been following his journeys through stories and whatever, you might like to think of doing one of those cruises. It would be quite, uh, I think, to put your mindset back that hundred years ago and think that you're, even though it's an expedition vessel, not a luxury cruise vessel, you've still got all modern amenities and everything. And you think of the boats they were in back then, you know, and the conditions and the clothing and everything they had just to, to combat that. And you'll be going in summer. You with know, air that, conditioning. Yeah, with air conditioning and all that, whereas they were there in winter. I mean, when you think about it, it's, it is quite a phenomenal thing. So you, someone out there might be just interested in doing something like that. And I'm sure there will be other companies also getting on board doing those Shackleton expedition-style cruises to celebrate that. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thank you, Jane. And we'll talk travel again next Friday after the 1 o'clock news on 2NURFM.